I was the black sheep, the sheep with teeth, the sheep even the wolf wouldn't eat. Samantha Kolsnick, True Crime. Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by author Chad Lutsky to talk about books that make you feel things and don't apologize for it. We're talking about gritty, emotional horror today on Books in the Freezer. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. Your books have been mentioned on quite a few episodes, and I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Well, thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. And that, that's uh, that's flattering to hear that they're being talked about. So uh, when we were talking about doing this episode, you picked this topic. What about this topic interested you? Um, you know, it's funny because um, I, I, I've told this before. I didn't really start. I didn't read my first like novel until I was like 23 or 24. I just had no interest in reading um, I was busy like skateboarding and doing the band thing and it just didn't stuff didn't hold my attention. I was more of like a Fangoria or Famous Monsters of Filmland type of guy or, or music magazines or whatever. And so um, but but movies was a whole other thing. So I was constantly, um, you know, watching movies, uh, all different kinds of genres um, and so I get a, most of my I'm I'm mostly influenced from, from movies that I've seen, particularly like really dark dramas and rather than books. I mean, reading books kind of taught me how to, you know, write and some of the you know, structure of a story and things like that. But it was the movies that that, um, you know, a lot of indie uh, dark stuff that would kind of almost be considered horror, I guess. But they're not, you know, films like um uh, like River's Edge or Happiness or um, Mysterious Skin, Mean Creek, uh, Bully, uh, Blue Velvet, just all kinds of stuff. And so a lot of my friends and my, my peers, they've read all these books that I haven't gotten to yet because even when I started reading, I like for, for two years in my 20s, I just devoured everything and I constantly read. And then as a couple years went by, you know, I had my first kid and then I had another kid and things just got really busy with all kinds of stuff. And, and I just it was almost like I took a hiatus from reading. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I started writing, like seriously, taking it seriously, which is only like six years ago, I had still I mean, you have probably read more books this, I don't know, in the last five years than I have my whole life. I've, I've only read probably 500 books. And where a lot of my friends are just like, oh, you haven't read The Stand yet? Oh, you haven't read, um, you know, Swan Song? And it's like, no, I've read some of these, like, you know, quote unquote classics, but there's a lot that I'm I'm missing and I'm so far behind. And now that 
books are just, you know, with people with the small presses and self-publishing and, um, kind of, you know, rubbing elbows with people and networking and, and, and wanting to read your, your buddy's book. It, it pushes away some of those classics. Um, you know, so many books coming out, uh, just constantly, you know, I don't know how many books are published a day, but so it, it, that's the, that's the long, um, this is kind of a, like the long way to get to your, uh, answer to your question. Um, I realized that, um, when I had picked that, that I had kind of, um, when I said like gritty drama, I think it was what I said. Um, I had seen more movies than I had actually read books. So when you said, come up with three books, I was like, Oh, crap what do i i i have to like really dig deep to try to find these three books to talk about because i could name you know 250 movies that fit that uh subgenre but um but i found them and so um you know some of them one of them i read recently and two of them i read like decades ago but they're uh i remember them they're very good i've you know talked about them with with people uh, i'm not a like one of these people who read the same book over and over again even if i loved it just because there's so many books out there so it's very understandable 500 books i feel like is a lot still yeah think so <laughs> i think so and i i totally understand that whole like balancing wanting to read books off your bucket list but also trying to keep up with the new releases and especially like having author friends and trying to be supportive like it's a lot it's a lot to juggle it's like this never-ending struggle and then i get i get uh like i i think i wrote i think i only wrote like 24 books for my like good read challenge was which is you know kind of a wimpy goal but that that realistically for me that that's what i put on there was 24 books and then I think I'm at like 12 right now because I get sent, I get asked for blurbs a lot. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm not able to give um, very many, but so, you know, that dips into it and I can't even count those toward my um, Goodreads gold because they're not listed on Goodreads. Oh, I never even thought of that. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's like you, you don't have like the satisfaction of like marking it off on there. Right. Like killing, killing two birds. So what are you working on at the moment? Um, I am working on a, yeah, I can. It, it's my first um, historical fiction thing. It takes place in 1865. And it has, um, I don't know if I want to talk about the, the premise. Okay. But um, it's definitely going to be the longest thing that I've ever written. You know, most of my stuff is between like 25 and 40,000 words. And this will be at least 70. Um, I hope to uh, try to find an, an agent with it. I mean, I like to self-publish because I end up, um, you know, I'm able to do, um, have creative control over the covers. And um, I'm able to, uh, you know... There's there's not many publishers that can do what I already know how to do, so but but it would be nice to get you know to be traditionally published through one of the big five and I thought that I would give it a shot and and see what happens. So I've been working on that and uh, I just finished um, a book called Blood Letter and it's the first in a vampire thing, which is not usually my thing, but I wanted to do a series that's kind of um, 
uh, it's not really writing to market, but it's just that the premise is not something I usually pride myself on, on trying to come up with extremely unique um, premises. And this isn't really like that. It just it reads like me. You can tell I wrote it. But the, the idea of writing a vampire book, um, uh, it's yeah, you, people might be surprised that that I would do something like this. <laughs> I'm very curious to read it. I personally love vampires, but I it seems like it's a little out of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like them, but I just like the idea. I feel so comfortable coming up with, you know, concepts that are like, wow, this, okay, this hasn't been done before. Um, because that's what I like to read. You know, I like mm-hmm. to read books that are unpredictable and that um, stuff I've never even heard of before. Um, because I just, I hear a synopsis that I've, you know, of, um, you know, something I haven't heard before and I get really intrigued. And so, um, that's what I, I guess that's what I try to, I think, I think anyone who writes just, they want to write the book that they would like to read. So, um, this isn't necessarily something that I would search out and read. I'm proud of it. And I think that people will like it, but I think if people are looking for, you know, a foster homes of flies or stirring the sheets or something that, um, it's not going to be there. But again, it's it's totally me. I, I'm, you, you can tell. That is one thing about your work. I feel like you're kind of difficult to put into a box, which is a good thing. But I feel like kind of the there is like a, a sense of like reading a Chad Lutsky book. And I think for me, it's that you always make me feel something. You, I'm like tearing up a little bit while I'm reading it. <laughs> so I did have one question from a Patreon supporter. Alex Gray said, my favorite Lutsky book so far is The Pale White. My question is, how do you come up with such original ideas for your stories? Uh, you know, I get asked that a lot, and I wish I had, like, some really cool stories um, about how I came up with something. But um, sometimes I do, but um, most, most of the time I don't. I can't remember. But I've been, because I get asked that so much, I've been trying to, to make a note of remembering, because I know I'm going to be asked you know, where'd you come up with this idea? Try to remember exactly where I came up with the idea. Um, I, I think um, the pale white was, um, I can't say for sure, but I'm, I'm assuming that the, the idea was that I don't know if, if you remember or if your listeners remember when those three girls were saved from, uh, I don't remember what house or what, what state the house was in, but I think so too. Cleveland, yeah. yeah. And they were saved from. Um, they had was it like 17 years or something that, that, mm-hmm. that they were there a really long time. And when I hear something like that in the news, I kind of follow it, and um, I just felt so bad for those girls. And I, I can't, you know. And I think I watched. Um, I was interested in, in how they were going to come back from something like that, and I imagined that they weren't going to be able to, uh, even though they would be happy to be out of there and it was over it really wasn't and so i would imagine just the scars that that was left behind from something so traumatic for so long it changed who they were going to you know who they were uh, supposed to be or who they would like to be and kind of paved the way for the rest of their life even even though they'd finally found freedom so that's you know kind of and that's what the pale white is about but i know and i know a lot of people in my um you know, some family and friends who have gone through sexual abuse, not necessarily trafficking, 
Um, though I do know one girl who's um, got wrapped up in that. And it's just really sad to me because I've seen I've seen even the smallest amount of abuse uh, where it really uh, kind of uh, forms who they are for the rest of their life and the shame uh, that they can feel, uh, even though, you know, there's something strange about, about going through a traumatic experience like that, sexual abuse and um, feeling shame, which is the opposite of what you should be feeling, but it's still there. And uh, I know that these scars run deep and, and they usually never go away. So um, that was kind of in, in, you know, instead of writing some kind of, uh, you know, like kind of extreme horror thing or something where, where I'm detailing rape and stuff like that. That was never my goal. I was never something I would even consider writing about, but more the aftermath. And the same with like stirring the sheets. If you read the synopsis, you're like, oh, this is about necrophilia. And it's like, no, it's... <laughs> has nothing uh nothing to do with that and so um i i i do i do remember um how i came up with the idea for a foster homes and flies because i was reading james newman called midnight rain and it's kind of if anybody uh hasn't read it but they like boy's life this is your like go-to but this is the next book that you have to read because it's it's a lot like um uh, boy's life and there's a scene in there where um, the boy, who I believe is 12 years old, he's coming downstairs and <clears throat> he's got a good mom. He comes from, a you know, kind of a, a, a good family or, or something. But for some reason, and this happens when I watch movies, too, um, my mind will, will wander and start to create my own story um, about what would happen. Not necessarily trying to predict what's going to happen, but to just all of a sudden um, I, I, I completely <laughs> like glaze over and I'm either reading the words but not retaining them or I'm just staring off and I'm thinking what if this happened and, and when this boy walked downstairs I thought well, what if this what if his mom is dead and, and his mom was in no danger of dying and she was not an alcoholic and there was the, there was nothing like that I just it's just a picture I painted myself and what if she died and then but but what if he did nothing about it and well why wouldn't he do anything about it and so I just kind of I had the whole book written in my head in a matter of like 90 seconds of just staring off and then realizing um and then i I remember i told my wife she's like you're gonna write a book about a kid whose mom dies and he doesn't tell the police because he's got a spelling bee to go to and i was like yeah i said people are gonna love it and she goes okay (laughs) and i said you wait and see so yeah, I mean it, it. It's better, uh, you know. It, it does kind kind of sound funny, but uh, she. Uh, I think that was my first like novella, so she definitely trusts me by this time when I tell her some crazy idea. But sometimes when I tell her an idea, once I say it out loud, like I could like wake up in the morning and be like, I have the greatest idea ever, and then I'll maybe write a note or something, and then I will say it out loud, and I'm like, that is horrible. I'm not writing that. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you again, where you had the whole story planned out, like right away, where it all just came to you at once? Um, for the most part, uh, like stirring the sheets was like that. Um, it was a it was a book that I was couldn't wait to get to, but but you know, some th- sometimes other extra things are are written in there. Like when I were a wallflower, my town people were ODing like crazy because someone had laced the heroin 
with fentanyl. And so uh, we had like 60 overdoses, most of them lethal in like a matter of six weeks. And so kind of wrote that book as a response to that. But there's like this underlying thing in there that wasn't there before. And um, so that that tends to happen. And then sometimes it's just an it's just an idea. I don't outline. I just pants everything. So like with Skullface Boy, I was just like I had made a mock cover for um, an anthology that I was going to be in. And that particular publisher had a, a cover that I that me and another author that was going to be in it. We didn't like the cover. And so um, I made a mock-up one um, that was essentially Skullface Boy, but it was all blue and purple, and it didn't have any of the neon stuff, and it looked totally different. It didn't have all, any of the colors or, or anything in it. It was just like this image, and then it had the fonts on it. And I sh- and I told the publisher, <clears throat> excuse me, I told the publisher, I was like, hey, you know, in, very kindly, me and this other author said, hey, you know, what do you think about doing a different cover? I, I think, I don't know the one that you have is going to do that well. You know, it, it doesn't look like something that I would want to, you know, buy. And, and this publisher is a friend of mine, so I knew, I knew he could, he could handle it. So, uh, um, he said, well, I like it. And I said, okay. So I never showed it to him. And then I, when I was writing, stirring the sheets one day, I was outside and I had my iPad next to me and it had the, <clears throat> the cover I'd made with the skull image on it. And I looked at it because I was taking a uh, break from writing and I looked at it and I thought, man, that is a really cool cover. I want to use that for something. And I was just like, screw it. You know what? I'm just going to write a book about a kid with a skull for a face and I'm just going to call it Skull Face Boy. Uh, Something super simple. And then I didn't know like exactly how things were going to go down. I just knew it was going to be like this crazy road trip of this boy. And um, but that, that was probably one of the most you know, fun writing experiences that I've had because I mean, I could have written, I could have written, uh, I could have doubled that book in size, but I didn't, I didn't want to overstay my, overstay my welcome. I wanted people to enjoy it and leave them wanting more rather than kind of get tired after a while. That's fascinating. <laughs> that that's the origins for Skullface Boy. So are you ready to talk about some books? Sure. Let's do it. All right. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer. You get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99 with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Okay, so yeah, we talked about doing like 
gritty drama. Um, so I think like, yeah, most of these, I took that to mean kind of these like horrors coming in from like real life situations. Though I will say two out of my three do have like a little bit of supernatural stuff in it. But I think for the most part, the horror comes from like these horrendous like real life situations. So my first book is Coyote Songs by Gabino Iglesias. And these are like interconnected stories. They all take place at the border and you're following different stories. So like one story that you're following is a coyote, you know, or for those who don't know, like someone who shuttles people and travels with them like across the border to make sure that they get to the States. And he believes the Virgin Mary is guiding him toward final justice. There is a woman who is an artist who offers colonizer blood to the mother of chaos. There's a young boy who joins uh, some corpse destroyers to seek vengeance for the death of his father. And that's just like three of the like five stories that you're following. And I think this just definitely falls into like that gritty... We're not turning away from the violence at all. There is no like fade to black. Like this is very much like let's talk about the horrific things that are happening here. And I really enjoyed this. I want to read more Gabino Iglesias. I have Zero Saints by him on my Kindle. I don't know. Have you read anything by him? Um, Sadly, no. I feel so bad. It's been sitting in. uh, (laughs) I got this really cool bookshelf. It's basically turned into my TBR in my bedroom and. Um, it's set like into the wall and I, I, I haven't read it and it's been sitting there forever. I, I wanted it. And then my buddy, uh, Wayne Fenelon from, um, the UK found out I didn't have a copy and he sent me a copy in the mail all the way from the UK. And, uh, uh, I just thought that was so nice, but I have not read it and I've heard nothing but good things about it. And I like Gamito. He's a good guy. He gave me a, a nice blurb for the pill white. Yeah, he is great. I was really blown away by this I think I kind of went into this just like not knowing what to expect but I don't know it just really I keep saying it blew me away but it like really just makes you feel things like you were just gonna have like all kinds of feelings about what goes on and I mean some of these stories like my jaw dropped to the floor and I was like I don't even know how to feel about that I just really liked it it he I've heard him describe this as like border noir and I feel like yeah that is honestly exactly how I would describe this for this I'm going to put it in the fridge this like I said is very violent um there's a lot of like horrifying stuff that happens a lot of like very just crazy situations and it's one of those books that I would say like doesn't just fit into horror I think people should read more people should read this this is coyote songs by gabino iglesias yeah i've heard I've, like i said i've heard nothing but good things and and uh it sounds like something that would be right up my alley and i have every uh intention of reading it my first book is called the painted bird by jersey kaczynski and it was it was published in 1965 it, it's about a um initially it was presented as something that was autobiographical but later on was found uh not to be true i guess uh it's a it's a book about a boy who is abandoned by his parents during world war ii and um he goes from village to village through europe uh running into various people most of whom treat him poorly and by poorly i mean 
I mean, like the, the torturing him or hanging him up and letting dogs bite him. And uh, this and he sees all kinds of uh, really brutal things. And he's I can't remember his age, but he's very young. He's between the ages of like eight and ten, I think. And he sees uh, he sees rape and murder and bestiality and incest. And he sees all this. And it's all very uh, graphic. It's a if it, it's a controversial book. Um but not just because of the brutality, but because later on the the um, the author Jersey Jersey Kaczynski was um, accused of plagiarism, not just for this book, but some other books that he had written. And then finding out that it wasn't autobiographical, but but I think some of it was. Um, and he um, and also um, people initially thought it was well. Some of the characters are. Um, anti-Semitic, I guess. So he was getting some crap for that, but and he ended up killing himself in um, 1991. But he's, um, it's it's a like you know like you said with Coyote songs, it's not a book that I can just turn anybody onto. You know, like I wouldn't say, hey mom, you know, <laughs> I see you're not reading anything. Check this out. But it's really depressing. It's really jaw-droppingly graphic. Um, and it deals with some really heavy stuff, but, uh, this kind of, you know, it can, and you can easily see this kind of thing happening. And I believe that they just last year made a movie out of it. Oh. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know. And it's a black and white movie, I think. So I think it's, it's kind of artsy, but, um, I don't know who made it. I think it's probably an indie film. I don't even know if I want to see it, but I, I'm sure it probably won't live up to my expectations but um and i'm surprised more people don't talk about the painted bird um you know considering uh like robert mccammon's boy's life is almost kind of a, a horror adjacent at least people who like horror like that book so mm-hmm. if that is horror adjacent this absolutely is um just because of the brutality and i have mentioned it in I've mentioned the book in Skullface Boy and in a short story that I published on my Patreon page. And I've seen people, um, after reading Skullface Boy, go out. I, I, I can see their thing on, on Goodreads or whatever. They've gone out and and um, put it in their TBR or they've bought it. People have contacted me and said, hey, I bought this book. And I'm like, be careful, man. I don't know if you're <laughs> you're going to like this. So, yeah, that's uh, The Painted Bird by Jersey Kaczynski. I, I feel like that's one I have heard about. You said it, it's it got a bit of a reputation. How are you usually with uh, movie adaptations of books you enjoy? Um, You know, I, te- I tend to... It depends on what I see first. If I see... Like, I'm a huge Kubrick's The Shining, and I love it way more than I like the book. Um, but I had already I had seen the movie like three or four times before I ever read the book. And so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. And I think the only movie adaptations that I've seen that I thought were actually better than the book would be like Interview with a Vampire, I thought was better than the book. And I thought the Green Mile and Gerald's Game were were equal. I thought that those were great adaptations. Did you watch Gerald's Game before reading it? Like, which one did you do first? I wa- I watched Gerald's, or I'm sorry, I I read Gerald's Game a long time ago. Actually, right when it first came out, and um, 
when I heard they were making a movie, I was like, yeah, right. You, you can't pull this off. And I was just blown away that the yeah. screenplay that they had written for that. I couldn't believe because there's so much internal dialogue and, and mm-hmm. thoughts and stuff going on. I thought this is going to be a boring movie. And I just I couldn't believe it really pulled it off. Yeah, it was amazing how that happened. I think I'm with you. It really depends on what I was exposed to first. I think if I watch the movie first, there's more of a chance I will be I will like both of them. Then I think like if I've gone in having read the book, I think I tend to be more like, no, you can't you can't do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my next pick is We Need to Do Something by Max Booth the Third. This is a novella and these are not the basic plot of this is that it follows a family that is stuck in their bathroom during a storm and that's like really like what it is about I just really liked it I had this was a book I had seen talked about on Twitter a lot and I know Max like joked about it being like yeah if you like stories about like people stuck in bathrooms I guess pick it up and I was like I do like I think horror and like stories like this thrive in like very confined environments and I'm a sucker for like dysfunctional family stories and movies like the, I think that's just my favorite genre like overall <laughs> so I think a family that has issues that is like stuck in these like close quarters situations with high stakes and dwindling resources was just done so well like as I was reading it I was like this would be an amazing play and then like a few weeks after I finished it like he had the author had been hinting at like a movie adaptation and like being somewhere where they were filming and I thought like I really hope it's this book that they did and he announced that this uh has an adaptation like it was adopted and I'm really excited to see how that goes because I just think it's like a perfect material for that a lot of the horror is grounded and is coming from like the very like obvious (laughs) situation that they are in in this family and the fact that they are trapped there is like some possible supernatural stuff but I just I don't know I loved this it gave me my like close quarters horror it gave me my like dysfunctional family arguing dialogue strained relationships being made worse (laughs) type of thing I will say I am putting this right in the freezer what this family goes through and their situation just keeps getting like worse and worse and worse just absolutely horrified me it kept me up at night because I was reading this like in my kindle when I couldn't sleep and I made that worse because I just kept having to know what was going to happen next and then I finished this book and was like stuck with my feelings <laughs> and like definitely couldn't go to sleep. So I am putting this in the freezer. This is We Need to Do Something by Max Booth III. I, uh, I read the book and I love it. I read it, um, I think it was th- maybe three months ago. And yeah, when I, when I heard the premise, I knew that it was a book that was right up my alley. Um, I, I love I love movies so much like dramas where there's just a very small cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a, there's a movie I really like called tape and it just has, it takes place in a hotel room. Uh, it's got like Uma Thurman and two other actors. And then that's it um, in, in the whole thing, just in the, in the hotel room. And I knew that Max had liked some of the same movies that or that, you know, small cast of characters, um, you know, just dialogue driven stuff. And mm-hmm. so when I saw the premise, I thought, man, I have to read this. Plus, 
you know, we, I, I live in Michigan and we have tornadoes every once in a great while, or at least, you know, threatening weather that threatens a tornado. And so if we go in the basement, it's always been my biggest fear is to, um, I'm like, I don't even like going in the basement because we get in the basement and a tree lands on the house or the house collapses in and on itself. I, we're screwed down here and we're stuck. And so I thought, man, I'm, so I'm going to read this book about kind of my worst nightmare. I mean, yes. tornadoes scare the crap out of me when the sky turns green and yellow and stuff. I, I don't like that. And so, but yeah, I, I love the book and I love the kind of ambiguity of the, uh, what you were talking about, the potential supernatural stuff. And I was happy to see that um, um, I was talking with Max a couple of months ago about the movie stuff. And I, I saw some pictures of, of things on set and, and I was really excited and uh, then got even more excited when I saw the article that, that he shared with the, you know, a couple of screenshots from it. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, It was I... a good choice. Uh, my next one is a book called Some Kind of Hero by James Kirkwood. And it was published in 75 and I, I'm just going to read the synopsis that, that I that I saw online. After five years in a North Vietnamese prison camp, Eddie Keller returns to an unfamiliar America where he struggles to survive a shattered marriage, unemployment and growing anger and desperation. Um, it's been a long time since I've read this book, but it's one of my favorites. And it was it was a moment where I've always been like a monster kid, you know, everything horror and or or like extreme music you know this isn't fast enough this isn't you know um kind of raw enough or whatever and then once i started getting older then i started to get a little bit more open-minded and this was a book that um this was kind of like the beginning of that where i I had no interest in the vietnam war or prison camps or anything like that but my dad kept telling me to to read it so i did and ended up being one of my favorite books i've ever read and um um, I, I'm, you know, I'm, and like I said earlier, I'm not one of these people who reads book books a second time unless it's been a few decades, or it's really short, like the next book I'm going to talk about. But, um, yeah, I recall being like smitten by the thing, and um, you know, partic- particularly because the theme wasn't something that I was into yet, it really held my attention. And a lot of the book takes place in the prison camp and how the man was treated as well as a relationship he struck up with another prisoner, which turned out to be really touching. Um, and then finally being able to come home. I think when he came home, the, the book for me started to take a little bit of a turn. I was really interested in just that setting of, you know, how are you going to survive? How are you? And then the relationship that he had with this guy. Um, but it was kind of a, you know, a terror. It was a terrifying situation he was in. Um, I know that in the eighties, Unfortunately, they made a movie based on the book, and it starred Richard Pryor, of all people, and it really stripped all that darkness and emotion out of the book and added, like, comedy because of Richard Pryor. But I guess Richard Pryor intentionally, like, toned down the comedy because he, I I think he liked the book and, and didn't feel that there was really a place for it. So while there is some comedy, it's not like a, you know, it's not... It, it's not a straightforward like uh, comedy that you would you know like some of the other movies that he was that he was in but it was st- I don't know anybody who has seen that movie and actually liked it especially after reading the book as far as like the freezer I, I, what what do we got here we got like was it room temperature and fridge, fridge and, and freezer? freezer yeah okay well 
I never mentioned the painted bird. I would it'd go straight into the freezer, um, just to keep it away from everybody who might be offended by the brutality <laughs> of it. And then uh, this one, I guess, um, you know, it's not scary. So I, I don't know that I would even put it in the fridge um, because it's it doesn't have that brutality that the painted bird does. Um, but in and it's full of a lot of emotion. So I don't know, maybe room temperature. I don't know that if I can, it would be hard for me, I guess, to even classify in, in one of those um, things. But like I said, it's, and it's another book that I mentioned in Skullface Boy. So, um, which is something I tend to do some, sometimes if it calls for it, I've mentioned some of my favorite books in, um, in books that I've written, just not, not all, not if it's a book that that I know people probably haven't heard of and that they might be missing out on, then I will do something like that sometimes. And I definitely spoke about that in there. The, Some Kind of Hero by James Kirkwood. So books that recommend books. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, my final pick is True Crime by Samantha Kolsnick. Uh, this, I will say, a lot of trigger warnings up front for just sexual abuse and just physical abuse. And I will say for, you know, a lot of listeners do want to know there is uh, dog death in this one. So um, this follows Susie and her brother who escape their abusive mother and flee on a cross country murder spree and wow this book is something I feel like there are times where I, I think about getting off Twitter but all of the books that I have recommended today I have gotten <laughs> from Twitter and like you know following horror readers and horror authors and I I just get so many good book recommendations that I think it it keeps me on it's a necessary <laughs> evil it, it is like how would I have found all of these gems this book opens up and you're you're with Susie and Lim when they are living with her mother and there is just on page sexual abuse. It's just a very horrible situation and you don't even get the full scope of how horrible it is until they like kill their mom and like burn their trailer and like run off on this like road trip, you know, cross country murder spree as it's and you throughout the story get like not only what they are doing but Susie kind of dealing with what she has gone through and processing everything that she has experienced and like you learn a little bit more about her situation and some things and you're like oh my gosh like that's crazy <laughs> I don't want to I'm trying to like talk around it and not give too much away but just things that she comes to terms with and also, like you're reading this and all these like horrifying things are happening on the page and this was a book that I would stop and come across a quote and be like whoa like that's, that's a really good quote like I think this book I had a digital copy and like at the end I had so many of like the quotes that I had highlighted find one here like there was no evil in the world that was not man's work like to come in as a murderer and to murder is one thing to come in as a friend but to be a foe is another. Deceit is really the true crime of humanity. Just like these quotes that I would have to sit with for a while and be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we were doing this. Um, so like I said, I this is a short book. I don't want to give like too much away about like where it goes because it's it's pretty short. 
I'm saying I'm putting it in the freezer. There's a lot that happens. Um, I gave the trigger warnings up front. This is some dark stuff. I loved it. It was, like I said, so well written, so full of these just impactful quotes throughout. And I cannot wait to see, because I think this is her debut novel. I cannot wait to see like what else uh, Samantha Kolsnick puts out because I was blown away. That's been my like phrase of the episode. I was blown away <laughs> by this one. And that is True Crime by Samantha Colson. I, I have not read it. I, I've seen it all over the place. I've heard nothing but good things. And uh, I don't own a copy, but it, it does look appealing. I, I, I'm sure I'll end up reading it. it. It's a short book, too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah, it's, I have it pulled up like right here. It is, yeah, like 156 pages. Okay, um, my uh, my third one is called, you know, nah, this this one isn't, it's, I don't know, I, I mean, it's dark, sort of, but not in comparison to the two that I mentioned before. And it's called Black Gum by J. David, J. David Osborne. Um, it's, sometimes I run across a movie um, or even a band, um, like a CD or something, but mainly a movie where I can tell that this is just my thing. And that it's not something that I'm going to go around and say, oh, my gosh, you have to read this book because I can tell that it just perfectly scratched every itch that I had. Um, and it was kind of meant for me kind of thing. And if I gave it to somebody else, they might not like it. And that is that is this book. And it was the it was the best book I read in 2017. And um, it's it's kind of a stoner book. And, and I'm not a stoner. I haven't touched anything since I was like 19 years old. And so, but I am, I'm a sucker for watching these stupid stoner movies, uh, like <laughs> Pineapple Express and Cheech and Chong and, and Fast Times. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because it harkens back to, you know, when I was younger and the crazy stuff that we used to do. And I don't know, it, it's it's like I just I it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. And this book was kind of like that because there are, there's a lot of drug use in it. And maybe it's because I, you know, even though I stopped doing all that, I kind of am able to live vicariously through <laughs> these characters, but keep all my brain cells and, and uh, you know, wake up feeling good in the morning. I don't know. But um, it, it's, you know, black gum kind of it, it, it doesn't really have much of a plot you're just kind of following this guy who um is getting out of this failed marriage and he starts hanging out with his uh kind of bizarre drug buddies who um they're, they're kind of strange characters and they have strange ideas about things and there's you know there's a lot of dialogue but um i think i like it so much because of its randomness and it's got some of the leanest prose that I've ever read in my life, but not to the point where it's, it would alienate anybody uh, or distract anybody. It's just every tiny ounce of fat is just trimmed from it. Um, every, you know, it, it's just, I can't, I don't know how many pages it is, but it's like novella length. Um, and in the prose reminds me a lot of my own. And maybe that's another reason why I liked it but I think it's probably even leaner than my own, uh, depending on the book. But I know that when um, I, I read it once, loved it. And, um, you know, like I said, in 2017, my number one book that I read that year. But I ended up reading it again. I don't even know if it was a year later, which is something I never do. And one of the reasons why I read it again was because 
I had written the rough draft of Skullface Boy. Well, I think I was on, I, I wrote a couple drafts of it, but I was on the final draft and I was doing like heavy editing kind of stuff. And because I wanted to get in that mindset of getting even leaner, um, I read Black Gum again to, to get myself in that mindset as I went through this final draft of Skullface Boy. And then um, I think that the book may be partially responsible for me writing the same deep water as you, because while I believe Black Gum is um, fictional, it, it reminded me a lot of, you know, um, me when I was younger. And so the same deep water um, is probably 95% autobiographical for, for me. It's just, it's just a, a book about uh, where I took a year or most of a year in my life and I turned it into a novella. And so I don't know. I, I think that maybe Black Gum was kind of, res- you know, partially responsible for that. So um, I would say that this is room temperature. Um, it's not as gritty, um, but it, it is a drama. I really enjoyed it. I would love to recommend it to people because I think it's worthy of reading. But I don't know. I can't guarantee that you're going to like it. Um, the, the writing isn't strange or anything. Some the, some of the situations are strange and bizarre. But I like it. It's got a sequel called A Minor Storm. I read that, too, and I enjoyed it. It wasn't as I didn't enjoy it as much as Black Gum, but I'm glad that it was there. And and uh, I hope there's another one after it. So that's Black Gum by J. David Osborne. I haven't heard of that, but you said it's very much like a, a Chad book. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of, but with more <laughs> drugs, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love like when you like come across a book like that, that you're like, this one was made for me, just for me. (laughs) Yeah, me too. All right. Are we ready to do some chilling obsessions? Yes. But what exactly is a chilling obsession? A chilling obsession is something in horror that you have been enjoying lately. So it can be a movie, TV show, podcast, a a book, like any type of media. I just, um, a couple weeks ago maybe a week ago i guess I, I finished the second season in a tv show called slasher and mm-hmm. it was a show that i avoided for a while because i thought you know that the title is just stupid um you know and i thought this is just going to be like a some kind of mtv type you know teeny bopper uh, every actor and actress is just a beautiful person that can't act and they're model first and actor second and uh, i was wrong I, I enjoyed the first season, but the second season was pretty incredible. And the writing was, um, I, I, I don't want to give anything away, but it, it is a whodunit. And it's um, it's not predictable at all. And I, I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about it. And I, I highly recommend watching. If you're only going to watch one season, then um, at least watch the second season of Slasher. And I think... I don't know that I'm watching anything else right now other than movies. You know, I'm always watching horror movies. Um, I, I've been especially trying to find some, um, uh, you know, ones that made in the 70s that are worthy of talking about. Not just for, you know, I watch 70s movies for nostalgia, but I also like to either revisit ones I haven't seen since I was a kid or because back then they just had to, you know, they didn't do remakes. And they didn't do, you know, sequels and stuff like that. So everything was like a, its own original tale. And it's something that we're missing 
Um, I mean, once in a while you get a great movie like It Follows or Hereditary that comes out. That's it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I love that. But the 70s was was full of all kinds of that. So I've been revisiting a lot of that kind of stuff lately. What about yourself? I was thinking through, uh, when it comes to horror, I've been doing a lot more like rewatching recently. I feel like all the stuff I've kind of watched for the first time has kind of been like meh. But for Books in the Freezer, for like a Patreon group watch, we watched Hellraiser. And that's a movie I think I just love like more and more every time that I watch it. Like I think the first time I watched it, I was like three and a half stars. Like it's good. It's good. It's an enjoyable story. And now I'm like five stars, a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've I've been talking to people um, on my own podcast about that and in listening I listened to uh, the Final Guys and they're always talking about revisiting movies and how when they first saw them they're like ah oh, it's okay and now they're just totally head over heels in love and there's some weird psychology behind that and I don't quite understand that I don't know if we're not quite prepared or ready you know mentally or emotionally for something that we can uh, relate to. Or maybe we have different expectations or maybe we watched it with the wrong person. If you, if you watch yeah. a really good movie with somebody who's hating it, you're, you're going to walk away not having that great of an experience. And um, and then you're going to wonder, did I hate this movie or, you know, because of this person or did I hate it because it's just not good? And And then maybe you watch the movie again at the perfect moment and then it just, you know, scratches these new itches for you. It's very it's something I find really uh fascinating that 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 can happen like that yeah it is interesting I feel like I become I want to say on one hand like maybe I'm becoming less objective with my familiarity or on the other hand am I just like noticing other things that are done well because I'm not so focused on like what the plot is or like what's coming next I already know that so like the other space in my brain is like oh no this is done really well oh look at this visual thing that's going on and I'm just like appreciating it more I don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to say hellraiser is a masterpiece it's <laughs> good the, the second one is good too uh, yeah I, I do like the second one that's when i need to revisit again i've only seen that one once but i was like okay i was impressed impressed <laughs> oh it's slash. i was gonna ask about a slasher is it an anthology like if i watch season two do i need to have seen season one Does not it stand at all on its no. own okay yeah it's it's just like a uh, channel zero or okay. or american horror story okay i I knew my brother-in-law recommended that to me a while ago, so I should I should watch it. <laughs> yeah, and they don't hold back on the gore. It's very good. Oh, okay. So it's bonus. All right. And we have a new tradition here on Books in the Freezer, and that is the Final Girl song. We have a Spotify playlist uh, with everyone's answers to what their Final Girl song would be in their movie you can take that to mean like whatever you want. Like some people have like, this is the song I have where I fight back, or this is the song that's a little more mellow. Like it's all over. What is your final girl song? You know, this is a, this, being a musician and being such a fan of music more than, more than any other uh, media. Um, this took me forever to <laughs> figure out a song that I <laughs> thought was kind of like the perfect song. Cause I had a long list and I, I could have given you just this whole playlist of, songs um that i thought um kind of conveyed but i'm not a lyric guy it's just weird i'm more of a melody person so and like my wife will she she notices lyrics uh the first time that she hears a song and i know other people who kind of like base their 
the way that they're like a song based on the lyrics where I'm just like, it's the notes hitting me and I can literally listen to a song for decades and then one day be like, Oh, that's what that song's about. And like <laughs> after hearing it like 800 times, I'm just not picking up on things, you know, um, I might even know the lyrics, but I'm just not, I'm not calculating them. And so mine is based on melody and not uh, necessarily lyrics, but also tone and mood. Um, and I did pick two only because of the um, uh, ones for kind of like the somber ending with a with the girls walking away after, you know, she's killed the killer or whatever. And she's covered in drying blood. And that would that one would be Werewolf by Cat Power. I don't know how many people have, have heard of her before, but um, that whole album, I there's probably six songs off that album I, I could have picked. And, and I had a you know, nail it down to this one. Am I allowed to pick a second, like enthusiastic, triumphant, yeah. empowered yeah. woman? Okay. This is where, yeah, the woman is going to kick ass or just kicked ass. And instead of being somber, like she's just, you know, having this empowered moment where she's gazing off and you're afraid of her because you're glad that you could never, you know, you're, you're so thankful that you don't have to, you know, be face to face with this chick. She's going to kick your ass. And that would be uh, Her Black Wings by Danzig. We'll be adding those to the list. Right. I think I've noticed that with people who are musicians first or are more into music, that they're a lot more of like a melody person than a lyrics person. Like I am not a musician. So I'm like, I feel like very much like a lyrics person first, but I love talking to like music people who are like, no. And then like, notice how like this happens here. And then there's a key change here. I'm like, Oh yeah. 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 That is, you know, but I've written, I've written so many songs including lyrics. So you'd think I'd pay a little attention to it. And I just, I just don't, I don't know why. And you're a writer. Yeah. Yes. See what's wrong with me. Where can people find you? Uh, just chadlutsky.com. Uh, My last name is spelled L-U-T-Z-K-E. And there's links. You might have to hunt for them like on the about page or something. But there's links to like Twitter and Instagram and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've, I've got, you know, I whore myself out to all of the social media platforms so that i can sell books and <laughs> and uh meet people i love uh you know hearing from people and meeting people writers readers whatever yeah that is the upside to it <laughs> yeah yeah it is I, I i wish i could leave social media but it's uh i don't know how to quit it and i and i being a writer who um self-publishes some of his stuff yeah. it's hard to to even consider um, staying, and especially in this political climate, it's like, man, nobody, the right and the left, nobody, none of us want to be on Twitter. It's exhausting, but it is. That's what I was saying, like earlier, I'm like, ugh, like I just need to like delete Twitter. It's like, no, but I get like so many good book recommendations from Twitter, and it's like, I do love the horror community. I wish I could just mute like a whole section of my timeline. <laughs> Certain keywords, yeah, just to, and I yeah. think there's a way to do that. I'm not sure, but I do. And then it's one. Then I have to grapple with like, don't I want to be informed and like know what's going on? But is it worth my mental health? Blah blah blah. You know, it's a whole ongoing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> struggle. Well, anyway, not to end on that down note, but. <laughs> 
thank you for coming on and talking to me about this. Well, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, and at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to join our Patreon community. It's a lot of fun. We have one, three, and five dollar level. There's different perks at each level, including things like early episodes, bonus episodes, movie nights. There's a Voxer group chat, etc. Another way to support the show is to shop on Amazon using the podcast link that is available in the show notes. And you basically just do your normal Amazon shopping like normal but you would use our affiliate link. The most interesting thing purchased using that link recently is called, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Illimat. It looks like a board game, but it's presented by the Decemberists, as in the indie rock band, the Decemberists. The description reads, if you've ever enjoyed Hearts, Bridge, or Gin, Illimat will feel both familiar and like nothing you've played before. But you don't have to spend any money to support the podcast. One thing you can do is to leave a review on your, whatever podcast app you use, like Apple Podcasts. I have a recent review to read from Erica Robin. It says... Books in the Freezer is an amazing horror-related podcast hosted by Stephanie Ganya. That's me. Dear Ashley, I'm just kidding. She says, it's a podcast that I look forward to with each release and play it as soon as possible after getting the notification that it's up. I'm obsessed with the theme song of this one. It's seriously spooky. The host, Stephanie, is incredible. Oh, thank you so much. I love listening to her take on the books that she has read and what her latest chilling obsession is. I've purchased so many books thanks to her and Rachel, the previous co-host recommendations. When discussing the books, I love that Stephanie and the guests will say that it is room temperature or that they would put it in the freezer. This is such a fun element that never fails to make me chuckle. I also really enjoy that Stephanie asks for audience input from time to time as well. Thank you so much, Erica. And Erica is someone who's always participated whenever I do those audience episodes. I love to do those. Um, but call to actions are hard. <laughs> this is a call to action. Like, please review my podcast and uh, please submit like 30 seconds of yourself talking is a lot to ask from people. So I always appreciate the people that take the time to do that and be a part of the show. Thank you so much for your kind words. Um, I wish I wasn't so awkward of a person and I could like take compliment. <laughs> well without feeling totally awkward um but thank you so much it means a lot to me anyway so yeah go leave a review for the podcast i'm stephanie you can find me on twitter at lady underscore ganya that's l-a-d-y underscore g-a-g-n-o-n or on instagram at that's what she read that is that's with two a's thank you so much and see you next time for books in the freezer Thank you.